welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Um, if you expand your understanding of the object of your faith, then your faith itself, faith itself will obediently follow. And what it's talking about is reading the Word of God, um, immersing yourself in the Word of God. And the more that you, what it says here, expand your understanding of the object of your faith, which is Christ and Him crucified, um, faith itself will obediently follow. Um, we need to be like in Acts 17, 11, uh, the Bereans, they were the Berean Jews, and there's something about these Jews, um, they heard Paul talking, you know, Paul was always preaching and talking, and something that they said that the Bereans did, they said, Paul, everything that you're saying sounds good to us, uh, but we're going to go check out what the word says for ourselves. So I challenge you tonight um, to be like the Bereans. Don't just take what I'm saying um, at, at face value, but I got about 30 scriptures here, and some of them are different translations, And but I went with all one translation up here. So even if you just write down the different uh, um, addresses, because note takers are world changers, um, and you go back and you look up these scriptures for yourself and and see if what I'm saying is true and find out about the God of the Bible for, for yourself. And if you already do that, keep doing it. Um, so Pastor Travis, he, he texted me about, I don't know, a month and a half ago, and he asked me, hey, can you fill in on this Wednesday because we are going to the Gateway Conference? And I said yes. And uh, so I said... I said, um, is there any sort of direction that you want me to go with this? And he replied back. And it's amazing what he replied back to me. And it's really awesome. I should never get amazed at how God works. But I've had a prayer for a long time. And I continue to have this prayer. And it's my prayer is, God, I want to know you more. And I haven't really done anything different a whole lot over the past year. Other than, you know, I get up in the morning early, and the first thing I do is start reading the Word, get in it, I pray. Um, and that's one of my prayers. Uh, I do things throughout the day at Life Challenge, um, teach class out there and different things. But I, I believe this is something that is a catalyst that helped me answer my prayer in God's um big plan that he has, but my prayer was to know God more, and Pastor Travis, when he texted me back, he said, I want you to talk about the character of God. So tonight, we're doing a basic look at the character of God. Uh, this is a weighty, deep, and mind-blowing issue, uh, most importantly, an eternal issue. It seems like these days, we're learning more about ourselves in church across America uh, it seems like there's more self-help for motivational entertainers uh, than getting to know our creator. Um, I, re I read a verse in Isaiah 1, verses 2 and 3 the other day that kind of stuck out to me. And basically it says that God's people have turned from him and rebelled from him. Uh, and he says, even the stubborn cow knows to go to where it gets food at. And it says, even the donkey does what it's supposed to do. So kind of what he was using there is, you know, 
us as Christians sometimes, or, or even God's people, um, we're more stubborn than, a, than, a, than an ox or, or a cow. I mean, if you work with cattle, I'm sure you know that they can be stubborn. Uh, a donkey, and that's almost a slap in the face. They're, they're smarter than us. I mean, we have a donkey out at Life Challenge, and that, that donkey does exactly what God tells it to do. It, he hauls, and it eats food, and it does what a donkey does. You know, there are things that God has created, and we're going to see in some of these verses that, I mean, they completely, they do exactly what God tells them to do. Yet today I saw a tarantula walking across campus, and uh, I was explaining something about it. I don't know if it's true, and one of the guys is like, how does it know to do that? And I said, because God told it to do it, and that's what it does. So, um, and we, we're stubborn creatures. Um, so if we, we can learn something from the obedience of God's creation, that it just does what he says to do. Um, if we can begin to see God in these attributes of God, who he really is, everything else begins to make more sense. Um, I'm, I'm doing a license uh, to become as a licensed Class D water operator because we're We've installed a public water system out at Life Challenge. Um, we're growing. We're trying to have vision for the future, set ourselves up for the future as we expand, and God does things out there. But there's something I learned about the characteristics of water. There are five characteristics, color, taste, odor, temperature, and turbidity. Turbidity is cloudy or it lacks clarity. And there's a problem with turbidity is that it harbors bacteria. So there's a certain amount of turbidity that you're allowed in your water, and it, some of it can be uh, cleared up by filtration. Dissolved color in water cannot. Um, but tonight, I'm hoping I can bring clarity to you guys and not more confusion. Like, I never want to confuse anybody I'm standing up in front of, but I believe my goal this evening is not to answer every single question that you have about God, because I can't do that. Um, as we start to look at this God that we're talking about tonight, goal number one, I want to be able to expand your worship of God. Like, as, like <clears throat> I use this um, analogy in my class the other day. If, if you get, like, a piece of metal... I. And you have, you know those things that they use to clean your teeth, those little picks? Um, I feel like as I've been ser searching this out and doing some studying, and I, I feel like I'm taking one of those and scratching it, trying to make a dent in it. And I'm only scratching the surface when it comes to God. I've thought of this analogy, too. Like It's like taking that same pick and trying to dig to the center of the earth. It's going to take a lifetime, and you're probably not going to get very far. Because even in eternity, I believe when we are in front of this God that we're going to talk about tonight, or at least try to explain a little bit of him um, and his attributes, I think for eternity, we're going to continue forever to be amazed and blown away and continually learn, being able to learn something new about him. Uh, an attribute Oh, goal number two, before I move too far, the, my second goal for you guys, and I believe this has happened to me just by um, Pastor Travis asked me to do this in God's providence, um, his good plan for my life and for each and every one of ours, 
light a fire of excitement and curiosity on the inside of you to know the creator of the universe more and more. Uh, an attribute is a quality or characteristic of a person, place, or thing. In this case, we're talking about God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and I'm sure that you're familiar with this verse, but it just backs up this amazing God we're talking tonight about. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, these are not tonight all the attributes of God, but I, I tried to narrow them down a little bit for us um, in the time that we have this evening. There is way more that can be said about God, and I want to say more about God, um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to do my best tonight. There, there's also you know, names of God, if you ever heard of Emmanuel, God with us. Jehovah Jireh, God provider. I don't think I'm really going to get into all that, but um, we're just talking about some of his attributes and his characters. Um, this is more of a flyover overview rather than like a microscopic view. Like imagine flying in a helicopter and seeing a herd of deer. Um, you probably wouldn't be able to see the exact patterns of um, the, the that's on the animal. You you might not be able to count how many points are on the antlers of the deer, but we're, we're kind of just doing a fly overview, hopefully here, and communicating, so, trying to describe this amazing God we're talking about tonight. Uh, like I said, there's so much more I'd like to say about this topic, but uh, Romans 1.20, it says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And the things that have been made, so there, so that we're not with, nobody's with excuse. There's nobody that should be like, there is no God. I mean, you just look outside, and like we already talked about the donkey, donkey, the ox. Um, you know, creation just does what God tells it to do. Um, and we could learn a lot from that. So I think I got about 13 attributes. Uh, there are two categories. I think I got six in one and seven in the other. Um, if my math is right. And the first um, category, it's a communicable attribute. Communicable attributes are characteristics that God possesses and displays perfectly. He himself is the source of these qualities. They do not originate in humans. We also can possess and display these characters on a small scale if we are in right relationship with God. So, we can also, as, as, as we have a relate, right relationship with God, we can display these characteristics. Um, there's also a, a second category. It's incommunicable attributes. Only God can possess these attributes. They belong to him and him alone and are one of the main reasons why we worship him. Like he, uh, You will see as we go through, some of these will bleed into one another. Um, and I use that terminology bleed just because I, th I think of the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And just, you think of any person and you start naming off things of how they act and what they do. Like, you, it's hard to separate some, but there are, there are categories. So we're going to see how they almost all tie together. Let's start with incommunicable attributes. Things that 
we cannot display, because this God is, that we're talking about tonight is amazing. He's huge. Um, sovereignty. If you've ever heard the word sovereign, God is sovereign. God is in control. He governs over all things and is over all. With God's sovereignty, there is no such thing as luck or chance. Knowing God is sovereign means we can trust him with our circumstances. That's good news for us, whether good or bad. But many people might say that if God is in control and sovereign, why do bad things happen? Doesn't God care? Uh, Exodus 2, 23 through 25 talks. I, I want to just take this pa- passage real quickly and just take a look at it. Um, see if we can see something in here of God's sovereignty and be encouraged by it. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slave- slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God saw his people and God knew. Now, when those people were crying out to God, the salvation of the nation, um, it, it was a little bit away. But God still saw them in their difficulty, in their struggle, and he remembered his covenant, he heard them, he saw them, and he knew. Um, This is comforting to me that there are bad things that happen in this world today. And there's a lot of things, even Pastor Travis would tell you that he doesn't know why certain things happen. But there's never anything that happens that God's like, oh my goodness, now what do I do? Like, Jesus, him sending his son to the cross, I believe he's seen that from the beginning of time. It wasn't like Adam and Eve sinned and he's like, oh, no, what do I do? You know, God is never caught off guard. Um, he sees us in our difficulty, and, and he, he's got a plan. And that encourages me because there's a lot of times I don't understand what's going on. I don't know um, the answer a lot of times or what he's up to. But I know that he's got a bigger perspective than me. Um, He is imminent, operating within, intricately involved in every aspect of the world. Isaiah 40, 10 through 15 says this. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with her young. Who else has held the ocean in his hand? Who has measured the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Who has the Lord ever needed Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Does someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than the dust on the scale. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. So that's just the imagery there. Like, I don't know if you guys can weigh the earth 
or pick the earth up like a piece of sand in your fingers, but I know I can't. But this is the kind of God I need in my life. I mean, I just had hernia surgery. I don't, I don't think God's ever had a hernia. So um, uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that um, he never s- sleeps. He's never late. He, he's always on time. This is the kind of God that I need controlling the universe. Um, and that comforts me no matter what's going on. Infinitude is the second um, attribute that we're going to talk about. Incommunicable. Uh, his, his etern- it could be put this way, his eternity. Or he is infinite. He is without origin. He is eternal. He always has been and always will be. He is giving me a headache by trying to think about this. Uh, Revelations 1.8, that was a joke. You can laugh at that if you want to. Um, I don't know if you can wrap your mind around eternity. Like, we are finite beings. We have a beginning, so it's hard for us to do that. But even before Genesis, God always was. Um, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. He is the the only self-existent being outside of time in perfect unity with the Godhead, three in one. Uh, If you don't know what the Godhead is, it's triune God. Thinking about that also makes my head hurt a little bit. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are three in one. There is some mystery to the Bible, like like I said, I can't explain every single thing about God, but there it takes faith to trust in this God that we have. So, But he is in perfect communion. He has never needed anything at all. Um, Psalms 92 puts it this way. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from the beginning to the end, you are God. I always say uh, God has a, such a bigger perspective than ours. Um, if you can see a line from the beginning where God created to the very end of Revelation and, and beyond, um, right in the middle, I would put a cross in that line, and over top, I would just have God up there, and he that's how he sees everything. Like, we see things just kind of like this. Sometimes we can't even see past today or five minutes. But he sees everything perfectly as it's laid out. And just thinking about that sometimes, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to think about. But this is the God that I want on my side. Um, he has such a bigger perspective than me. And sometimes I'm down here shaking my fists thinking that I'm God. And how silly that just sounds. It reminds me of the verse that talks about um, the potter. If the clay was to tell the potter what to make him, it's just, that's just foolish to me. Uh, He is a potter. I'm the clay. I have no right to tell him what to do, how things should be. Um, He deserves such a different response than that. Number three, this is a, a really cool one. It's called immutability. It just simply means unchanging. If you ever think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, a mutant, it mutates, it changes. Uh, We are constantly changing. 
God has never changed. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, we will see this one definitely in some of the other attributes as we talk about this. Um, like I said, they're kind of all connected. Malachi 3, 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. I am thankful that I can depend on him no matter what's going on in my life. Number four, omnipotence. Omnipotence is another way to put it. All-powerful. Romans 6.10 says, when he died, he died once to break the power of sin and death. He destroyed the power that death has over everything. Um, you don't get much, much more powerful than that. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. O Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. When I think of Genesis, right in the beginning of Genesis, it just keeps saying, and God said, and God said. God spoke into existence everything that we see. Um, there's stars out there that would blow your mind how big they are. And this is the God who spoke, and they came flying out at the speed of light. He just spoke everything into existence. Uh, everything that we see here, um, we have some creative abilities, but we can't create anything on our own. Like even this chair, we just took God's molecules and his things that he's already created and just moved them around and rearranged them and made a chair. But God has created everything. Uh, one cool thing I learned about water since I was doing that, it says that the same exact amount of water that was here at the beginning of time is still the same amount of water that's here. Um, so everything that you see, God has one way, shape, or form spoke it into existence. Like I said, we just take things and we rearrange what he's already made. Uh, but we have some, like I said, we have some of his creative attributes. We were made in his image. Uh, Hebrews 3.11, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, an exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The words there where it says he sustains all things by his powerful word. Since he said in the beginning of time, let there be light. There was light, and it's still here just because he said it. Uh, once again, this is the kind of God that we're serving. Uh, this is the kind of God that we come to this church faithfully. Um, this is the same God that wakes us up every morning and gives us the breath of life. Um, omniscient. This is the next one. This means that he is all-knowing, he is all-wise. Romans 11, 33-34. Oh, the depths of riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? As I'm, as I'm talking about these different things, it might seem like he's pretty big and and. Trust me, he is big and he is amazing, almost unfathomable, but 
the cool thing about it at the same time, he's personal. Um, so I, I don't want to get you so far out that like, it's like, how, this is, how do I even get to know this God? But like I said, I want to expand your worship. I remember after, um, looking into some of this stuff, we can't, I don't, since my surgery, I can't hold my guitar. Um, so I've been off playing on the worship team a little bit and I actually, I got the first Sunday I came in here and we started singing, uh, only King forever. And I just started reading the power of the words, and they just came to life to me, like, so much more than they had in a long time. I mean, even more than what they normally do. Um, So I want you to know this God, um, he's out of this world, but yet he's still here. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's hard to put into words this amazing God. Um, But like I said, that's my goal, to expand you guys' worship of this amazing God that we have um, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no one, no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. He, when he sets out to do something, he does it. Um, he does as he pleases. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Omnipresent. <clears throat> I know when Jesus, this means uh, his presence permeates the universe in the physical sense. He's non-dimensional. Once again, that kind of makes my brain hurt a little bit. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. Uh, Jesus, he was... When he said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send a helper, everybody was so bummed out about that because finally the full, the prophecies happen, and, you know, they got Jesus here now, and he's doing miracles. He's raising people, and they're like, please don't leave us. But if Jesus was still around, he can only be one place at one time. Um, that's just interacting in our lives. Um, the Holy Spirit can be wherever he wants to, whenever he wants to, and he's everywhere. Actually, I think... If his spirit was removed from the earth, it would be even more chaotic than what it already is. Um, So omnipresent, he is everywhere, but yet he's even non-dimensional. Like it's, it's, I've, I'm trying to think of uh, a term called hyperdimensional. Some of you guys probably have watched some of the Marvel movies and they're starting to get to this this point where all these different multiverses and everything, like, the only reason I bring that up, it's a, probably a bad analogy, but trying to explain this amazing God that may start to expand your thoughts of um, the, the amazing God that we're serving. Jeremiah 23, 23 through 24, I am a God at hand, declares the Lord, and I am not far away. Can a man hide himself in the secret, in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So now we're going to move on to communicable attributes. So these are things that we can display um, being in right relationship with God. Number one, God is love. Uh, God is not comparable to circumstantial human love. 
And as I'm talking about him tonight, and as we go a little farther, I feel like we sometimes compare God to experiences we've had here on earth. Um, The love that God has for us, even the best father that there ever could be, still pales in comparison to the father that he is and how much he loves us. So if you had some bad experiences with with a father that's not that great, um, he he blows that away. Like he is, you if you get to know this God, um, he will do for you what every other human has let you down. Because no human is, if if you think you're going to try and get the love out of God, uh, love of God from another human. It's asking way too much from that person. They can never fulfill that like God can. Uh, My wife makes a terrible God. Vice versa, I make a terrible God for my wife. If I start to try and demand from her what only God can provide for me, that's a cruel, I'm a a cruel taskmaster. Um, So the love of God that we're going to be talking about here, God's love is not compared to circumstantial human love. His love is steadfast. This word steadfast appears 172 times in the Old Testament alone. Um, Remember I told you guys by getting into God's word, um, steeping in his word, the more that you know about the object of of your faith, which is Jesus Christ and his crucified um, faith itself will obediently follow and expand. I remember the second or third time I read through the Bible, and I started just noticing. I never noticed it the first two times, but I'll never forget it. The third time about I read it, I started underlining and seeing how many times it says steadfast love, steadfast love. Um, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, 16 and 19. uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Number 16, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. 19, we love because he first loved us. His love for us does not make any earthly sense. Um, While we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of Christ, Christ died for us on the cross. While we were still stubborn and running our own way, he he still died for us. Um, That does not make any earthly sense. The love of God, um, the agape love of God is explained like this in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And many of you know this, love is patient, it's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It does not arrogant or rude. Every time I read this, I get convicted because I'm terrible at all this, but thankfully his grace is sufficient for me. This pushes me towards more uh, sanctification of doing the right thing. Um, It does not insist on its own way. I've really noticed in my life that when I'm getting irritable, irritable, it's usually because I'm being self-centered. When I start to feel that, I can really tell that Shannon's not getting in his way. Things are not happening the way he wants them to happen. And I have to, sometimes harder than others, I really have to renew my mind with the word of God. Sometimes I snap out of it quicker than other times. Uh, Sometimes it takes a little bit more work. Um, It's not irritable. I can get irritable. Um, 
But God displays this perfectly. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at the at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. The second uh, communicable attribute of God is merciful. Without the mercy of God, we would have no hope of heaven. Because of our disobedience hearts, we deserve death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But because of mercy, we do not get what we deserve. I know sometimes that can be, um, you can get mercy and grace a little mixed up, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But mercy is that we don't get what we deserve. God's love bleeds into mercy and steadfast love. Um, In Psalms 136, if you do a little digging, um, i kind of been bouncing around a lot. Um, ESV, NIV, King James, um, when I was looking all this stuff up. And just looking at some different words that they use for steadfast love and love. Mercy is also substituted in some of these versions. So like um, ESV uses steadfast love, um, NIV uses love, and King James uses mercy. Uh, Psalms 136, it's used, it's used 26 different times it says all this. Um, so like I said, this love and mercy kind of go into one another a little bit. Uh, Micah 7, 18 through 19. Who is God like you, pardoning iniquities? Iniquity is another name for the things that we are bent towards. Uh, we, some of us are bent towards certain things uh, that do not honor God. It's sin. Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love or mercy. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. If you've ever read the scripture about he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty far. Lamentations 3 23 and 24 says the steadfast love of the Lord or mercy never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Which leads us to our next attribute, which is faithfulness. He keeps his covenant promises. Even when we are not faithful, he is still faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9 Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, with whose love, with who, with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. If you if you want to even put in there a covenant, if you just want to put promise, if that makes a little bit more sense to you, God is a promise keeping God. Second Timothy two thirteen, if if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Um, the cool thing about this is that even when we're faithless, he is still faithful. As with all of God's attributes, they're not separate, isolated traits 
but interconnected parts of his perfect whole being. So his faithfulness cannot be misunderstood apart from his immutability or unchangingness. The fact that he never changes. So when we read the God, so when we read that God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself, we see these attributes working together. The fact that he is unchanging means he can never not be faithful. No attribute of God is in conflict with another. So the fact that he is faithful, he is unchanging, that gives me confidence in serving a God who is unchanging. It gives me confidence that if he said that he's going to do something, I can count on that. Even though everybody has left me let me down in this world, or even because even if circumstances or, or plans that I had or things that I thought would satisfy me have let me down time and time again, I know that he will never let me down. He is faithful. I'm actually the one that breaks the promises all the time. Uh, so I, this is the God that I need in my life. So since he is trustworthy, we should do as Psalm 34, 8 says, and taste and see that the Lord is good. This, which leads us to our next attribute, the goodness of God. For ever since the beginning of creation, everything that God did was good. And if God says it is good, it is good. James 1.17, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Once again, we see immutability here in his goodness of giving good gifts. Only good gifts come down from God. Psalms 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. God has given us so much more than we deserve. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, and he raised him from the dead. This means that we no longer need to fear sin or death. Instead, we can live with confidence knowing that God will take care of us. Psalm 31:19 says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who feared you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Our fifth communicable attribute is wisdom. If you ever ask for wisdom from God, um, he gives it liberally. Um, I think James talks about that. God is in his infinitely, he is infinitely wise, consistently wise, and perfectly wise. If you ever read any of uh, A.W. Tozer, um, I suggest you read some of his um, stuff. It's it's pretty mind-blowing the way he writes. The cool little fun fact about him, he is a, he was born in Pennsylvania. That's where I'm from. Uh, at the age of sixth grade, he had to leave school, and uh, because of circumstances of family. And but he became a lifelong student. He never went to Bible college. Um, but he used to work in a tire factory, cutting up pieces of tire. And he would have books set up at his workstation. And while he's cutting up tires, he would memorize passages of scripture or different books he would learn. He was a lifelong student. Um, I encourage, uh, I said earlier, note takers are world changers. Readers are also leaders. Um, 
I, I think when I was up here, I think it was the uh, one or two first Wednesdays ago, I, I said that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Um, not only are there different people in the Bible that God has inspired to write in the Bible, but he's also given people books that we can go to, people that have lived this out, people that um, have wisdom to share with us. Um, but he, he's a really amazing one, just the way he talks about thick, different things about God um, and how God has really used him. Um, there's a really cool book I've been reading called Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. But he writes this about the wisdom of God. Wisdom, among other things, is the ability to devise perfect ends, to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning, so there can be no need to guess or conjuncture. Wisdom sees everything in fo focus, each in proper relation to all, and is thus able to work towards predestined goals with flawless precision. Indeed, when we see wisdom like this, we realize just how much our limited finite wisdom compares with the limitless infinite wisdom of God. And how, conf and how comforting and wonderful this is for man to dwell on. Sovereignty also bleeds into this too a little bit. Um, so this is, this is the God. Everything he does is perfect. Um, Romans 11.33, and I read this earlier from the characteristic um, for the incommunicable attribute of omniscience. Um, Romans 11.33, oh, the depths of the riches of both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. That moves us on to his grace or his graciousness. If mercy is not getting what we do deserve, damnation, grace is getting what we don't deserve, eternal life. As mercy is God's goodness confronting human misery and guilt, Another quote from Tozer says, So grace is his goodness directed towards human debt and, and demerit. It is by his grace that God imputes merit where none previously existed and declares no debt to be where one had been before. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace, I love this verse. When I read this, it, it was life-changing for me. Um, I hope I can uh, get this all finished up here. So I won't expound on that, but for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. You cannot earn unmerited favor. Um, there's something about grace. Um, there's common grace and there's special grace. It's a theological concept, but... Um, these two aspects of grace, common grace, help explain why there is good in a pervasive fallen world. We must distinguish common grace from special grace. Though common grace is one means by which God carries human history forward, it is not an extension of saving grace by which God prepares men for conversion. There's one grace that is his grace towards us to save our souls, but there's a common grace over even sinners can enjoy a, a nice, juicy, healthy steak down at the Big Texan. Um, the problem is when somebody who's not saved eats 
a, a nice, juicy, perfectly done the way they like it steak, um, it terminates on the object, and they're, they just go on about their way. Oh, that was good. But somebody who is saved looks at the cow and is like, how did you, first of all, speak that into existence? Then once again, give God, give somebody enough wisdom to put that thing on the grill and bring out those flavors that just melt in your mouth. Um, it, it's, it's almost trying to think about a glass of orange juice. A saved person thinks about a glass of orange juice. It's like, man, that God has used the sun to grow some tree, probably in Florida, produce that orange juice. Well, first of all, that that orange grows some way through photosynthesis. Um, it used nutrients from the ground. Then somehow you have given man the ability to create transportation, to transport produce from one place to another and build machines, which actually put that orange through a process to create orange juice. And you gave him the ability to make a plastic jug, and then you gave him the ability to uh, market these things so we can go to the grocery store. You made a refrigerator that I can keep it. So it gets really big when we start to really think about how amazing God is. But usually when a sinner enjoys something that is provided by common grace, it just terminates on the object and they keep moving on looking for something else to satisfy them. But it gets really big because everything we do should worship God. Matthew 5, 45 for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and, and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Um, so whether you're evil or good, you're saved or not saved, he still causes things to happen in this world. Um, number seven, justice. What does it mean that God is just? It means more than he is simply fair. It means he always does what is right and good towards all men. Likewise, although this is hard for many to accept, his sentencing of evil, unrepentant sinners to hell is also just and good. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is a rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Once again, there's another quote here. Um, I keep reading this guy, Tozer. He writes about the justice of God. Justice when used of God is, is a name we give to the way God is, nothing more. And when God acts justly, he is not doing so to, to conform to any independent criterion, but simply acting like himself in any given situation. As gold is an element in itself and can never change nor compromise, but it is gold wherever it is found. So God is God. Oh, always only fully God and can never be another than he is. Everything in the universe is good to the degree it conforms to the nature of God and evil as it fails to do so. God is his own self-existent principle of moral equity. And when he sentences evil men or rewards the righteous, he simply acts like himself from within, uninfluenced by anything that is not himself. Which brings us to the last attribute of God we're going to talk about. In Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. In the year that Uzziah, King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. 
With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is a picture I think it's only one more time we get to see this, and it's in Revelation. But we get to get to pull the curtain back, and we get to see a picture into heaven. What happens to Isaiah in here? And one thing I real quick point out, even the inanimate post of the building had the good sense to shake in the presence of the holiness of God. This word undone, that he talks about when he says, I, woe is me. It's the opposite of when you say, blessed is this, blessed is this. It's a pronunciation of a cursing. So he's basically cursing himself and saying, I am undone, undone. He came apart at the seams. It means to be unraveled. What Isaiah experienced psychologically was the experience of personal disintegration. The opposite of this is integration. It's where we get the word integrity from. It suggests that a person's life is whole or wholesome. He came apart. This is what happens when our creatureliness is exposed to the holy. R.C. Sproul puts it like this. Only once in sacred scripture is an attribute of God elevated to the third degree Only once is a characteristic of God mentioned three times in succession. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. Not that he is merely holy or even holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. The Bible never says that God is love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, justice, justice. It doesn't say that. He is holy, 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 and the whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, simply put, means set apart. The word holy means sacred, set apart, revered, or divine. And yet none of these words are adequate to describe the awesome holiness of our God. Words fall short. When the Bible talks of God's holiness, it is talking about his otherness. This one attribute encapsulates everything that God is. His sovereignty, his infinity or eternity, his immutability, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his love, his mercy, his faithfulness, his goodness, his wisdom, his graciousness, his justice. Like I said before, there are still some more attributes of God, but this is just a handful that I focused on tonight. But All come from the fact that he is not like anything else, but he is holy. Holiness is the highest adjective that can be ascribed to God. All of the attributes of God, holiness is the one that most uniquely describes him. And in reality is a sum up of all the other attributes. 
The word holiness refers to his separateness, his otherness, the fact that he is unlike any other being. It indicates his complete and infinite perfection. Holiness is the attribute of God that binds all the others together. I wrote this down. This is not some namby-pamby, Americanized, pew-sitting, feather-haired painting of Jesus, watered-down, dumbed-down, cultural, church-attendance, religious God that we can put in a box. Revelations 4, 8, 11 puts it this way. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Why should our response to him be any different than theirs? We serve a holy, 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 awe-inspiring, awesome God. And once again, you know... If you take the picture of the little dental tool and you start trying to dig to the center of the earth with that, you're not going to even make a dent in it by the time you can't dig anymore. Um, We're just scratching the surface here with just some of the things that I talked about tonight. And my goal is for you to continue to get to know God Um, to continue to search him out, um, read in his word, um, find books about God, see what other people have found out about God, look up the attributes of God on your own, and and just really start to get to know him. And like I said, if you do this, you spend time praying with him, uh, Pastor Robert explained this to me before. I, um, I don't know if he's talking about A.W. Pink. A uh, gentleman said this, but if you think of a bird, um, one wing is Bible reading and the other wing is prayer. Without those two things, if you're missing one of them, you cannot fly. So you need both of them. Um, I, I just want to encourage, inspire you guys to continue to to get to know this this amazing eternal God that's words fall short short to to describe him um, but as amazing and big and sometimes the things that we talked about tonight seem almost otherworldly he is still a personal loving God and he wants to get to know you um, and I know just like he's been answering my prayer Um, that I've been praying for a long time. Lord, I want to know you more. One way or another, he's going to answer that prayer. If you want to really get to know this God, um, because I've been inspired by other people. I'm like, you know, there's people that are way more spiritual or way more holy or 
guys like A.W. Tozer that I talked about um, that just know way more about God than me. And, and there's things that they talk about God that just inspire me. I'm like, if they can get to know God like that, um, like, what are the possibilities of how, how far I can go with getting to know this amazing, infinite God? I, I believe the possibilities are endless, and that just comes from spending time in his word, spending time at his feet, praying with him, fellowshipping with him throughout the day. Invite him into your life. And I, I know none of, none of us are perfect in here. But even in our imperfections, inviting him into those and, and helping him, letting him prune us and shape us and mold us daily, day by day, more and more into the image of his son. Um, so let's pray. And, man, I, I had one minute left. That's pretty good. Um, let's pray and and. We'll get you guys out of here. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you so much just for the fact that you would want anything to do with us. Um, we're in awe of who you are. And God, I just pray each and every person in here, Father, that you would uh, begin to speak to them like you never spoke to them before. God, I, I pray that they would begin, their spiritual ears would begin to perk up daily even more and more, that they would be able to hear you loud and clear um, more and more as the days go by, Father, and that you would take the things out of our lives, Father, that would disqualify us from being effective for your kingdom work and, and sharing the gospel, the good news of what you've done in each and every one of our lives. Uh, Lord, I, I just ask for continue provision mentally, physically, spiritually for each one of us. Father, I pray that you'd um, keep us safe as we leave here and go home, Father. Ask for that you give us slumber to each and every one of our eyes and good sleep, um, ready tomorrow um, to do whatever it is with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength that you have set before us. Um, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.